The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. You know, you guys know that if you do the work, you work hard enough, dreams come true. You know that, we all know that. But hopefully what you get from tonight is the understanding that um, those times when you get up early and you work hard, those times when you stay up late and you work hard, those times when you don't feel like working, you're too tired, you don't want to push yourself, but you do it anyway. Um, that is actually the dream. That's the dream. It's not the destination, it's the journey. And. If you guys, if you guys can understand that, then what you'll see happen is that you won't accomplish your dreams. Your dreams won't come true. Um, something greater will. And uh, if you guys can understand that, then I'm doing my job as a father. Thank you guys so much. I love you. And, uh, Mamba out. As far as legacies go, there was none greater, none brighter, and none more impactful than that of Kobe Bryant's. And that goes for the Lakers, that goes for the NBA, that goes for the sports world, and that goes for fathers of daughters everywhere. And tragically, the full extent of Kobe Bryant's legacy, especially his legacy after basketball, was unfairly cut short on Sunday as Kobe and one of his legacy bearers, his beautiful daughter Gianna, and seven other people lost their lives in a horrific helicopter crash in Calabasas, California. And it's unfortunately here where we must try to pick up the pieces as best as we can, put on our best Mamba mentality face after figuratively blowing out our own version of an Achilles tear, 
limp to the free throw line, while understanding that our NBA fan experience from here on out will never be the same again. Take a couple of really heavy, deep breaths, and maybe one more, and sink two free throws of our own. Whatever that may look like for us and our families in the future. A future without Kobe. I'm your host, Jonathan Hernandez, and this is our first uh, episode post-Kobe, post-Kobe's death. And it's crazy to even utter those words. I think every day this week, any podcast that I've heard or listened to, anytime I hear it on TV, the words Kobe Bryant dead, Kobe Bryant has died, Kobe Bryant was killed. I flinched every single time, and it's just been such a visceral, guttural reaction that I never thought... Kobe's name would elicit, but now anytime I hear Kobe, um, it just elicits such deep sadness in me when once that word was always used for, you know, triumphant victory or to puff one's chest out when saying Kobe. And and now these days, you know, we're getting back to that. We're still trying to um, hold up that legacy, but it's definitely bittersweet anytime you hear the word Kobe, anytime you say it now. And to say this week has been tough would be an understatement. It is quite literally the worst day of our Lakers fandom. And yeah, I think we're all still collectively trying to pick up the pieces in our own way, including us on this podcast here. Um, We actually were supposed to record on Tuesday night, but Tommy and Alan did not feel right about doing that. I think all of us, we were still in a very scattered place. We didn't feel like we could compose ourselves emotionally. And and even while I know there have been others who have bravely come on their respective podcasts, shown their emotion and their vulnerability, uh, even broken down at times, and honestly, that's even helped me to hear them do that. Even though I know that's a very cathartic and freeing uh, experience for listeners, um, I think as far as the Lakers Legacy podcast goes, we just couldn't do it on Tuesday. And we really didn't want to force the issue to. I think when it comes to the Mamba mentality, and I said this on Twitter, but As much as getting back up, getting back to work is part of that Mamba mentality, I believe that Kobe Bryant would also want us to take the grieving process seriously, approach the grieving process with that same Mamba mentality, apply it correctly, and not skip that process. Whatever that process looks like for you, however long it takes, he would want you to grieve in the most optimal level possible to help you come out the other side, ready to actually exert that Mamba mentality back into action. So I think that's what we've been trying to do as a Lakers Legacy podcast this week, just sort of be sensitive to how each one of us is feeling. And um, yeah, it, it's, it's, it's been tough. We're, we're finally starting to see light at the end of the tunnel here. Finally starting to once again think about basketball a little bit, but all it takes is one more Kobe tribute video, another statement from someone nearest and dearest to Kobe Bryant. We heard Vanessa yesterday, we heard Ron Palinka today. All it takes is any one of those things to kind of bring us back down to a place of just tears, feeling gutted, and honestly just heartbroken. So Obviously, I'm here right now talking to you. You haven't heard Tommy and Alan. And unfortunately, I think this week we're going to just leave it that way. Scheduling-wise, we weren't able to plan out the rest of our week correctly. So we'll kind of just continue to let this breathe, give it room. I think the Kobe tributes will be a rolling thing from now till the end of the season. And yeah, for this episode, in the same way that the NBA honored Kobe Bryant's legacy by re-airing his 60-point game, his final game against the Utah Jazz on Monday, 
I thought it might be a little bit uplifting to do the same thing in podcast fashion and re-air an episode that I don't think you can find on our Lakers Legacy podcast queue anymore. So unless you were listening three years ago, you would not have heard our post-game episode of Kobe Bryant's last game as a Laker playing in the NBA, his 60-point game. So I'm going to air that right after I say a couple more words, and hopefully you guys will enjoy that experience. So it'll just be the podcast version of what you experienced on Monday night when somehow Kobe Bryant got everybody to trash Roy Hibbert and make him trend on Twitter. So I think that was... (laughs) An amazing accomplishment and feat, which I'm sure made a lot of people smile during a day when smiles were hard to come by. So yeah, that's pretty much what this episode is going to be. And um, uh, before I talk about Kobe Bryant, I just wanted to also lift up the families of John Carey, Alyssa Altabelli, Christina Mauser, Sarah Chester, Peyton Chester, and Era Zobayan. Rest in peace to all of them. Prayers go out to their families and... Um, We think about them and we mourn them in this time and commiserate with all of their families. Obviously, Kobe Bryant, Gianna Bryant, rest in peace. Your legacies will live on forever in the NBA, in the hearts of Lakers fans throughout the world, across the world, and just the hearts of hardworking people who do not want to skip the process and want to give their 110% in every little thing that they do. With that said, I just want to say that this entire week, time has sort of just stood still for me. I guess it doesn't help that things are sort of slow at work. On the one hand, I'm, I'm very grateful for that because I haven't had to necessarily take on some very heavy mental lifting in this time. And I've really been able to just allow myself to grieve and just process these things without tacking on extra stress. On the other hand, it's been hard to have so much time to process this you know sometimes you just want to have busy work to help you take to help take your mind off of this tragedy um so for me personally this entire week the world has stood still uh it feels like i haven't really been able to get anything done during my free time i'm just kind of scrolling on twitter refreshing stuff watching every kobe bryant video that i can from the past any tribute that i can see from the from the present every player dedication And um, obviously it's been very cathartic to see players come out in droves and just express their their pain and anguish over missing Kobe Bryant and um, just how impactful he was on their lives. At the same time, it's just also heartbreaking. I know a lot of people have said that this week has felt so surreal and just seeing all of the billboards of Kobe Bryant across the nation, across the world, and seeing him larger than life than he's ever been, but in such tragic circumstances like this, it feels like we're living in a dystopian universe, and this is definitely the darkest timeline. Like, this is the type of stuff that you see in superhero movies when they flash forward five years and, you know, Superman's dead, Iron Man's dead. It just doesn't make any sense, and it doesn't feel like real life. It feels like Avengers Endgame after the snap, where they, you know, jump into the future and... New York City is trashed and everybody's just trying to pick up the pieces of their their life and what happened. And even in that sense, it still feels like we have a shot at changing things, that somehow maybe we can go back in time, prevent this from happening altogether and have a different future. Unfortunately, this is not the movies, even though it feels like one. We can't do anything to change the past, but we can take everything that Kobe taught us and, and bring that into the future 
and hopefully change the course of some of our relationships with other people. Um, but yeah, it's it's been tough to uh, kind of even grasp the reality of a Kobe-less world, uh, especially as it pertains to NBA fandom. We've never seen anything like this. We don't really have a reference point to this, especially in this social media age where you get updates every 30 seconds. You get tributes every 30 seconds. You see what the world is doing every 30 seconds to commemorate Kobe. We've never seen anything like this. And in some respects, it's hard because we don't know how to handle ourselves. In other respects, it's been very inspiring and hopeful to see the ways that people have come together, all different races, religions, backgrounds, to just celebrate this man and celebrate the feelings of hope and joy that he gave us all at one point or another in our lives and just coming together as a city, as a nation, as a world. And um, from that end, it's been very encouraging. But yeah, I I don't want to keep on rambling. I want to save more of my thoughts for when Tommy and Alan are here to help me talk through all of that. I just hope that you guys have been doing well. I know Pete and Darius came out with a really great podcast episode this this past Wednesday, um, just expressing their sorrowful feelings towards Kobe Bryant, but also just celebrating his life as well and their memories of him. And we'll have our version of that soon. It obviously won't be as raw and as vulnerable, um, but... I mean, at this point, who knows? I mean, Tommy and Alan might still cry. It, w- it wouldn't surprise me. But yeah, it's, 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 been a, it's been a really tough week, and I appreciate those who have recognized that it's been a tough week for us Lakers fans and Kobe Bryant fans. And, and you know, at this point, there's, there's nothing corny, there's nothing hokey about continuing to talk about Kobe Bryant or continuing to ramble about Kobe Bryant. But uh, yeah, we're all in this together. It's funny that just last week we were making fun of High School Musical because of Cal Kuzma and Vanessa Hudgens' dinners together and, and banding about that we're all in this together High School Musical song like a parody. But in all seriousness, we are all in this together now. So um, with that said, I'm going to turn it now to a re-airing of our post-game episode of Kobe Bryant's 60-point game, his Mamba Out game. Last game as a Laker, last game as a professional basketball player. So hope you enjoy. That'll be me and Tommy almost three years ago. And yeah, after some words from our sponsors, uh, you'll hear that post-game episode shortly thereafter. So hope you guys enjoy, and um, we will catch you guys again uh, for our next episode where hopefully we'll have either Tommy or Alan or both and really dive into just how we felt about um, Kobe Bryant's passing, Gianna's passing, and uh, what that's meant to us and what that means going forward in the future. But but for now, please celebrate with us Kobe's last game as a Los Angeles Laker. The coolest thing is that my kids actually saw me play like I used to play. You know what I mean? It was like, whoa, dad. Said, yeah, I used to do this pretty often. You're like, really? It's like, dude, YouTube. One. Welcome everybody to the Mamba Legacy Podcast. <laughs> okay, welcome everybody to the Lakers Legacy Podcast, which is pretty much the Kobe Bryant Legacy Podcast. Uh, Tommy, how are you doing after last night's surreal performance? Uh, I'm pretty sure we called the 50 shots thing to a T. 
Like we li- literally called the Fifty Shades yeah. thing and did it. Um, How are you doing the day after yesterday? Yeah, you know it's funny. I'm I'm fine. <laughs> Thanks for asking. Are you sh- sure about that? Yeah, I'm fine. Um, but it it was uh, God, it was an amazing game. It I, I mean I was so exhausted at work today because I was just so like. It was such a high coming off of that game. Like I couldn't go to sleep. I was just like on Twitter and like on like yeah. watching interviews and like all this stuff. And then all day today, everything just felt so meaningless, you know. <laughs> um, I know you just wanted to soak up all the Kobe articles, Kobe stats, Kobe historical facts, whatever. Um, I felt like during last because we record. Did we record that podcast? No, we recorded our, the last episode like two days ago yeah. before last night's game. And I felt like we undersold Kobe's last game a little bit. We we're kind of like, oh yeah, we're ready for it. Well, it's just yeah. gonna be a game. Kobe's gonna shoot fifty shots, but it's been good for him, and it's gonna be a good ending. And we'll be happy that we're moving on to the future. And then as I was watching, all, did you watch the pregame stuff? I did. Or, like, yeah. So as I was watching the pregame stuff, I was like, oh, shoot. I wasn't expecting to get that emotional, but then they show the video of all the people talking, and then each new player that they have interviewed, like, they keep one-upping the next player. It's like, first, it's, like, Dwayne Wade, and then it's, like, Carmelo on the verge of tears talking about his big bro. Yeah. Hey, Kobe, it's, it's your little bro, man. <laughs> and then and then they top that with Pau Gasol, and you're like, oh, man, this is, like, touching me and all, like the tender spots and then they won up pow by like putting lamar odom on the screen who shouldn't even be alive right now and he's like he's like kobe i was with you through it all man and i'm just like what the hell is going on right now i've never seen like anything like this before i mean they went all out and look i mean i'll be the first to admit i was wrong you know what i mean like (laughs) i i think i actually made some comment um on the last podcast which was like Oh, you know, it's his last game, but honestly, I feel like he's been playing his last game for three months now. Yeah. Um. No, it was different. No. <laughs> yeah. You could the atmosphere. I mean, it felt like it felt crazier than an NBA Finals game. Oh, or something. dude! I re- game seven of the NBA Finals against the Celtics was up until this point the most insane atmosphere I think I've ever seen. Um, yeah. It was. It was, uh, yeah, it was just, I didn't expect it. And um... I think just the circumstances surrounding the game in general were so unique because I think we talked about this before, right? Like not even Michael Jordan was able to go out in this way just because for one thing, Kobe's not really playing for anything. The Lakers aren't playing for anything. On the one end, that's bad, right? But on the other end, everybody got into this game almost like a celebration and nobody had to worry about anything. So it was literally lit from the beginning. You know what I mean? Nobody, Nobody was nervous about anything. Um, it was just all about celebrating this guy. So it all, I felt like we were watching like a World Cup Olympics game, you know, because it, it felt like all, that. Yeah, it was like, what is going on? And um, yeah, it was just like almost like a very magical night for Kobe. And then, um, and then the game started, and then you know all the magic kind of died down, and you're like, oh crap, we got to watch this game, huh? Yeah. <laughs> and then Kobe starts off like super jittery. Like, it was almost he was, like, like for five or something, I think. Just... Yeah, it was like the 2010 game seven against Boston, where he was like so nervous that he was just like jacking up these terrible shots. I mean, he's been jacking terrible shots like the entire year, but it just wasn't. They were really off his shots, and um, started off 0 for five, and then he kind of caught fire in the first, and then. 
I guess when did it hit you that something special was happening, really? Because in the first, you know, we've seen Kobe this season get hot for like quarters, right? So when he started getting hot in the first, I was like, all right, here we go. Do your thing. But I didn't expect it to really like last, you know, I was like, Kobe hit a three. All right. He hit another jump shot. He hit another three. I was like, oh, this is very impressive. All right. Hopefully Kobe can go out decently. So I guess for you, when did it hit you that something special might be happening here? Uh, it, it didn't really hit me until I want to say, I mean, this is going to, it really didn't hit me like for real, for real until like the last five minutes or, you know, when he went on that crazy streak at the end, because up until that point, I mean, he had stretches, like he had that stretch in the first quarter where it was like, wow. And then in the second quarter, he didn't really do anything. And then in the third quarter, he had another stretch where it was like, holy crap. And then there were like moments of where he would fade out again. And, um, I was like, this game is effectively over. Let's see if he can go for 50. And he just scores <laughs> like 15 points in a row. It, yeah. it, it wasn't just that he scored 15 points in a row. It's like when he had the ball, it felt like it felt like 2007 Kobe or something. Yeah. Where it's like every time he touched it, you felt like if the ball was in his hands, it was going to go in. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think that's what I wanted to point out too. Like, I felt like this game kind of brought everyone to a time that they'd totally forgotten and forgotten how to feel. You know, you were talking about how at the end of the game, all you wanted to do was like just read up and soak yourself in all the Kobe stuff and watch videos, highlights, rewatch highlights, rewatch interviews. Do you remember when we did that a lot? It was during playoff runs, you know, during finals runs. I remember doing that so much in like the last three years all we do now at the end of games is look for the highlight com- compacted version of the highlight videos. And that's it. You know, that's all we do pretty much. And then yep. we talk about the stu- the games at the later, uh, the next day. But I remember doing all that stuff, like staying up late, just soaking myself in all that stuff, like during in the heat of our playoff runs. And last night, that's all I wanted to do. I couldn't really sleep. I just wanted to rewatch every interview I could find, um, kind of listen and to what other players were saying about the historic night and get everyone's opinion on everything. Um, so yeah, it was, it was just pretty incredible that Kobe was able to like go back into the time machine and kind of take us with him. Um, at the same time and it's it's really been a while to have that sort of feeling and the fact that he was able to also at the end of it because I think you know just having a great 50 60 point game would have sufficed but to add that extra competitive fire at the end with three minutes left down 10 and to bring the team back by on his own uh was incredible like I so here, let me give you the gist of my viewing experience. Actually, I'll let you go first. What was your viewing experience like? Did you just watch it at home with uh, your girlfriend or what was going on? Um, yeah, I had a couple of friends over um, who were Laker fans. And uh, actually, one is a big Laker fan. One is generally not a huge basketball fan, but he was interested because it was Kobe's last game. Um, right. Did anybody want to watch the Warriors game? Was anybody like, oh, what, what about the Warriors? No, no. I, 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 I talked to many people who had that dilemma. Unfortunately, I didn't have that problem. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, to the extent we, we, we did that, it was like, oh, like, let's flip on Laker commercials. This is like right. the first Laker game I've watched live all year. Yeah. Um, so it was like, yeah, let's flip on Laker commercials to see if Steph Curry. I mean, we everyone knew the Warriors, I, f- I felt like, were going to win that game. Um, For sure. It was mostly to see Steph Curry hit 400 threes. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, the viewing experience was good. Got a ton of food. It, honestly, again, it was like a game seven almost. We got some beers. Yeah. We got a ton of food. And 
we all just, I mean, I don't remember the last time I swear to God, it must've been like in middle school or high school or something. And like, I, I yeah. very rarely watch pregame stuff. Yep. I watched like an hour and a half of pregame stuff uh, before the game. I yeah. watched like an hour of stuff after the game and I, I like never do that anymore. So it was, it was a, it was an epic experience. And I mean, the Lakers, they really, they did a phenomenal job, I think. Yeah, they really did. I mean, I, I, the pregame ritual stuff is what hit it for, what did it for me, like in terms of feeling from the get go that this was something different and that this wasn't just the last game kind of thing. Um, I don't know if we just emotionally tried to put on that mask of saying it's just the last game, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, just the whole spectacle of everything like really hit me. Um, and uh, did you end up watching the TWC or ESPN? So I watched too? the. Uh, I normally in this type of scenario always do the non TWC because I hate Billy Mac. Yeah, but I figured they would have better coverage. Um, mm-hmm. So I did TWC. What about you? Nice. Okay, so my viewing experience, I kind of watched this game uh, in segments because I watched the entire first half in its entirety, uh, including the pregame stuff on TWC. Mm-hmm. And that was pretty cool. But, you know, the first half, they it kind of looked like any other game, to be honest with mm-hmm. you, because we were down by 15 at the end of the first half, right? And uh, even though Kobe had 21 points, he was 7 for 20. So it's just another typical game where you're like, all right, Kobe's getting his shots and he's hitting points, but nothing really special is going on. And so I actually had to leave halfway through because I had to help uh, one of my good friends at church. And my friend is uh, 10 years older than me. He has a family and three beautiful girls and they're moving. They were moved. They had to move. So I had to me and a couple of other guys had to help him like pack boxes and stuff. Yeah. But he made us he, he made sure to tell us do not pack the flat screen TV and the cable box. So we had the game going on, but we were packing while we were doing it. And, you know, after the first half, I was like, oh, you know, we'll just have it in the background and keep watching. But um, we'll just celebrate with Kobe here and there. But I didn't expect it to be so tense eventually. So here we are just packing stuff in the house, putting everything in boxes. And um, eventually I kind of just kind of tune out midway through the third quarter. And then I get called to do to pack some stuff in the garage. So I'm like, all right, sure, why not? pack some more stuff and uh do that and then I, I check my phone and then i see the score and the box score and it's um we have it dvr'd as well mm-hmm. just in case we need to rewatch anything but i was watching i was following on the on the box score and um it said lakers you know the jazz were up 94 84 i think with three minutes left or something like that and i was like ah i guess that's how it's gonna end but at least kobe has 45 points yep. and uh at least he'll go out good you know and so I just turn my phone off and I finish doing what I'm doing in the garage. And then I go back in and then people are like, hey, check your phone. And I was like, what? I check my phone and the Lakers have won the freaking game. I was like, wait, what? I, they were just down by 10. And then I look at the box score and it says Kobe 60. And I was like, wait, what? And then so when I see 60, I was ex- expecting him to have taken like 30 more shots. Yeah. And then I looked at the, the field goal and it was like 22 for 50. I was like. So if he had hit three more shots, it would have been 50%. I was like, what the hell is going on? You know, because the last time I checked the box score, he had 45 points on like, I don't know what the percentage was, but it was significantly lower than that, Mm -hmm. you know, because I think in the last three minutes, he may have hit, what would you say? Maybe like four out of seven or something like that field goals. I mean, I felt like he he didn't miss. 
Yeah, he had like 15 points in the last three minutes. So we immediately rewatched the entire last like five minutes because we missed it. And even knowing what was going to happen, it was so magical to watch, to be honest with you. Yeah. I mean, just the way that I was able to just watch the game was surreal. And even knowing the narrative of what was, was going to happen and rewatching it, it was, man, it was incredible watching him take over. And uh, I feel like old Kobe, like he had an out of body experience and old Kobe came and uh, embodied him essentially. And he just yeah. took over like we've seen him do be- do before. And um, yeah, and I mean, I mean, I, I like I said, I watched the game live and I was on TWC. But this morning, I saw somebody post a clip of like the last three minutes of the game on ESPN's yeah. coverage. Yeah. And they actually it wasn't like some B team. They actually had like Hubie and um, Mike Tirico oh. calling it. They were great. And, I watched the second half. Yeah, yeah they were so good, dude. And Kobe is like hitting these ridiculous shots and Hubie is just like, yeah, he's, Hubie's just dude. going like, oh, <laughs> oh. Dude, I was going to bring that up because Hubie Brown normally is a very subdued um, commentator. I don't know if you remember the Kobe shot, the game winner against Phoenix, where he hit the shot over Raja Bell yeah. or Tony, Tim Thomas, whatever. Yeah. Um, so for that game call, Hubie Brown's calling it, right? And I, this is essentially what he says. He's like, all right, you got to get a shot here now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then Kobe hits the shot and you don't hear anything else from him. But that's pretty much essentially how Hubie Brown calls games, very matter of fact. And you rarely hear him show any sort of emotion. And if you do hear emotion, he'll go, oh, there we go now. Yeah. All right. But yeah, like you said, he was like, oh, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> he, it's like he he was so amazed by what he was seeing all he could do was yell exactly <laughs> which is funny feel... because that's what everybody else was doing probably no it seemed like everybody was having some sort of weird outer bo- out of body experience um i don't know if you saw like jay-z's reaction i did yeah <laughs> that guy's eyes were like so wide mm-hmm. he was so confused and so delirious at what was going on jack nicholson who's like 78 or something yep was standing up and jumping around like he was a spry 66. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he was like dancing and jumping. I was like, what the heck? All of these people are possessed. I mean, it's um, just he did something, but like people, like nobody in the world was expecting that to happen. You know what I mean? This guy could barely move yeah. up and down the court. He played 42 minutes in this game. Like, I feel like halfway through the third, it already looked like he, I was like, wondering how he was going to make it to the end. Um, yeah. I just sort of assumed that Byron was going to sit him and then play him the final six minutes or something. Yeah. Like he's been doing, but he just started the fourth and I was like, Oh shit, I guess he's just going to play the entire rest of the game. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's like for a while, it's like he, he seemed like he could barely get up and down and then he just got possessed by like old Kobe or something. Yeah. And people were just like, Snoop was like feeling it. Dude, <laughs> Snoop was out of his mind. You, he brought some stuff into the stadium. You he he must it. have, yeah. But uh, yeah, dude, it was it was like, it was awesome seeing all those people like lose their shit. It was awesome. Like also like, and besides the game, like the fallout from the game, seeing all these NBA players like tweeting like oh my god i can't believe it like that picture damian lillard tweeted of him like in disbelief and he was like this photo was taken at the moment somebody told me kobe scored 60 <laughs> and uh that's awesome yeah and then like there was uh there were uh 
you know, there's a video of like the entire Phoenix Suns team huddled around the team, just all like going crazy over Kobe making his shots. Like, you know, so you get the guys like, okay, Westbrook tweeted something. He loves Kobe. Wade tweeted something. He loves Kobe. Like Mello. LeBron. LeBron. Like all these dudes are like known to respect Kobe. But besides that, you get the random dudes like, Nick Batum was tweeting about this game. Like <laughs> Myers Leonard was tweeting about this game. You know what I mean? Dude, you you had Festus Azili who was playing a historic game. Like I think right before the game or something. Like he made a either right before or after he wrote a long ass Facebook post talking about Kobe Bryant, your career. I knew the name before I knew the game, and I knew your name before I knew the game. And once I found out the game and learned to love it, you spurred me on. And then he was talking about how. Pretty much Kobe Bryant's the inspiration for Golden State getting the record. Oh my God. I was like, what the heck? I don't know if your whole team feels that way, but sure, go ahead. I know, go ahead dude. And roll but it was that, just yeah. like so awesome. And I mean, we can get into this a little bit more, but the uh, the potential impact that it a, it's seemingly meaningless game, the potential impact that this could have oh, on our future yeah. is just insane. I, yeah, I was going to bring that up, too. And before we go into that, we also had, like, you were talking about random people, but we had the random shout-out to f- former Laker Kent Bazemore talking about how he called this at the beginning of the season or something. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he, was like, he was like, yo, Kobe's going to drop 50. And he waited till the last day. And once Kobe scored 60, Kent Bazemore tweeted out, you're welcome, everybody. <laughs> it was freaking funny, dude. Um, but yeah, to get into what you were talking about, how the implications of this game um, might not seem far-reaching, but you just see how much coverage this game had and just the emotions it brought out in the normal fans and the superstars and all the most important people around the world. And it's just a great look and a great reminder of what it's like to be a superstar in Los Angeles. And most importantly, to be a Lakers legend in Los Angeles, you know, this is not a thing that's that the Clippers can do or, or, you know, pretty much any team to be honest with any team. Like it's like it's, and, and yeah, I mean, sorry, what were we going to say? Go ahead. Oh, no, no, go ahead. I was just going to say, like, I think one thing that really stood out to me more than anything else was having Shaq there sitting courtside. And, like, Shaq was constantly being interviewed interviewed by everybody. And he kept making these comments about how he really missed L.A. He loved his time in L.A. He, I think he's said, like, multiple times those were, like, his favorite and best years. Yeah. Um, and he he made this comment more than once where he said one of his biggest regrets is that he never got to do like a farewell tour like Kobe had with the Lakers because he was never in that position with like a you know had he come back to the Lakers for one retirement season god knows he might have had something like this you know so sure. even though he wasn't like a career Laker like he was a huge part he he basically won his three championships right so yeah. it's it's like something like that stood out to me a lot because it's like yeah. Shaq was not on the Lakers. Then he joined the Lakers. Then he left. He has all the perspectives that might appeal to a free agent considering jumping ship from their current team. You know what I mean? He was on a team yeah. that made the finals and got swept. You know what I mean? He was on a team that had his Orlando team had made deep playoff runs and he decided to take the, you know, I mean, granted, this is circumstances were a little, little bit different because he got paid a shit, like, the CBA was different, so he just got paid more by the Lakers than any, anyone else. Yeah. 
But all you know, besides that, it's like okay, he he took the risk to come to LA. He saw what it was like in LA, and then he left and went on to do some other stuff with other teams for the end of his career. So he has all three perspectives, and to me, all he could talk about was the and Lakers. all he could talk about was the Lakers. And to me, that's like that's like the type of like almost invaluable perspective for like a free agent. And it almost made me think like, God, maybe they should just bring in Shaq, like bring him in in some capacity to like talk to these free agents, because honestly it makes sense in a way. He was the last huge free agent that we signed. Yeah. So I know it was 20 years ago, but like bring him in. Like I'm sure he would be happy to help. It seemed like everything's positive. We retired his Jersey. Like I think we're on very good terms with him. Um, and I think it, I, I, I don't know if they've thought about this because he doesn't have like an official connection to the team, but since they've like gone through with retiring his Jersey and all this and that, like, I don't know why they wouldn't consider like asking him if he would like to come in knowing that he was like literally the last big free agent that they signed. Um, just to yeah. say a few words to a guy like, I don't know, maybe Kevin Durant, who's like sort of in a similar situation. Like he's had really good success with his current team, but like is considering, I don't know, maybe he might consider leaving. Honestly, they've gotten so many random ass people in their pitch rooms before. Why not? You know, it like makes the most sense to me. Like, uh, so yeah, I mean, I totally feel you on that. And I feel like, I think on the one end you could say, well, doesn't Kobe staying with the same team kind of influence other players like Kevin Durant or Paul George to stay with their old team the entire time. Right. On the one end, I could say, yeah, kind of, but it's never going to be this to this extent because Los Angeles is almost the capital of the world. You know, you had people in China, like in auditoriums. I saw like a friend of mine is in Mongolia and he, um, there, he, showed, he snapped a picture of an entire auditorium and they were all just watching this game, the Kobe game, not the Warriors game. And I heard Steph Curry is like huge in Mongolia, but they were all watching the Kobe game in an auditorium on the big screen. Right. And it, it's so like you, Los Angeles, like you don't, I don't think that would happen in Indiana. You know, I mean, they'll probably celebrate Paul George or they'll probably celebrate Kevin Durant, but no one's going to do it like Los Angeles because that's where everything is for, we were the center of the basketball universe, actually center of the sports universe once again. And um, just that feeling, I think it resonated with so many people from big to small, right? Because you were talking about Shaq and um, even down to the Lakers players that we've totally forgotten before. Can you Chris Mim. <laughs> Chris Mim, DJ Banga, freaking Adam Morrison. Chris Mim was his... dressed like he was ready to go to a club in Vegas <laughs> that night. I'm not really Seriously. sure what who dressed him for the game. But... Seriously. Um, Adam Morrison with his dirty ponytail. I mean, these guys are forgettable in laker lore but because they were lakers and because they played with kobe bryant and because they won championships they're all here to take part and and celebrate you know and the lakers you can just sense that sense of family and camaraderie and why wouldn't she want to be a part of that you know what what i mean Uh, it's and it's like it's just got it has to have such a huge impact on all these guys who are like it's the last game of the year everyone has now a couple of days to like soak in everything that happened in that Kobe game. And everybody can see like, this was a game that literally meant nothing to both teams. The jazz knew that before the game, that that game didn't matter to them. Right. Yeah. Kobe's been playing not very well the entire year and the Lakers were going for 17 wins. It's like in most teams you go for 17 wins and like half of your arena is going to be empty. Right. So yeah, even on your home finale, but like, there's so much buzz, not just in the arena, but like 
other mega stars are like losing their crap over this. You know what I mean? So it's like, how can you, I can't help but think if you're a guy like a Kevin Durant or even like a DeRozan or something like to think like, okay, well shoot. I mean, I thought I was like really big, but if I said tomorrow was my last game in OKC, I don't know if it would, you know, get that that same kind of hype that Kobe had after that game, you know? For sure. And so it's just such a positive way to end the season. And it was so unexpected to come out feeling so euphoric. Sounds because like optimistic. We were so damn done with this freaking season, you know? And then all of a sudden, we just are all like, it. honestly, it feels like we won a championship right now, right? It almost well, feels yeah, like on, I mean, mon- on, on Monday... On Monday, there's a Kobe parade down Figueroa, right? It's just yeah. Kobe and people are just going to be lining Kobe's up. Kobe's just walking. <laughs> he didn't win anything, yeah. but it's still a Kobe parade, you know, with the champagne happening at the end of the game, too. I mean, it literally feels like we won the championship celebrating this guy. Um, so it was just a monumental experience, obviously very transcendental. Yeah. It's transcendental, transcendent. Um, and even, but yeah. yeah, I mean, I was going to add also, even besides like the other players on other teams, like, Look, the players on our team. I will be, and if you've listened to this podcast, you and I, everybody knows, but you and I both are not Byron Scott fans, to put it like not lightly, right? Yeah. Like we we very much dislike Byron Scott. Um, For sure. That being said, his decision to put the four young guys who are probably going to be like our four young core players, whether or not they're going to be stars or all stars or starters or whatever they're going to be, right? Those are our four core young guys that we currently have moving forward. And as things stand, it's likely that we intend those four pieces to be a part of our rotation in some fashion, right? Yeah. So to put those four guys on the court with Kobe for that, like, final magical six minutes was just brilliant, okay? Like, he could have easily botched it and put in, like netta or put in like a vet or i don't i'm trying to think of who else played in that game like he could have put in he could have left Tariq black out there because he's a true center but um he was you know he he was i give him a little credit he he put larry nansen he uh when he brought randall in he put in randall for Tariq. he had like uh, nance basically play the center um and it that like like the look on those guys' faces when Kobe was doing this, it was like Kobe 37 years old, and then you have D'Angelo 20, Randall 21, and then Clarkson and Nance are both 23. Yeah. These young ass guys, and then they were look they look like they it was like their first time at Disneyland. You know what I mean? <laughs> pretty much. Yeah, and pretty much. That and that sort of thing has gotta be like so inspirational. And to like after this horribly shitty season to go out on a high like that, like it's got to encourage these guys to stop and like, take a look at themselves and be like, crap, dude. Like I could Kobe. I mean, maybe I'll never be Kobe, but like, look at the hard work that he put in and look at the payoff that he ultimately got for it. Like, why can't I try to do something like that? If maybe I'm, maybe I'll never be that good, but if I work really hard, I want to try to leave a legacy. Like I just saw Kobe leave on the court last night. Yeah, for sure. I mean, yeah, it was it was just crazy, and you could sense. I don't know. I, I felt like t- t- just for those guys to be on the court while Kobe was doing that, um, it's just gonna leave such a lasting memory for them. And hopefully, they take that into the summer, right? I, yeah, it's and like, I mean, it sort of sounds like that. In the if anybody saw the exit interviews today, like yeah, I didn't see D'Angelo, but Julius and uh, did D'Angelo even go? He went today, right? 
I'm not sure. He might go tomorrow, but I'm not 100% sure. Yeah, I mean, I didn't see D'Angelo, but I saw Clarkson and Randall, and um, both of those guys were like, they want to get in the gym. They know what they need to work on, and both of them were very like keenly aware of pretty much all the stuff that we've been talking about all year, which, again, leads us to confirm that like our front office is not stupid. Like They kind of know what they're doing. It's like obvious. You look at and you see like Clarkson came out, and all he was talking about he didn't say anything about three point shooting and blah, 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 this and that, or I need to like learn how to be a better playmaker. Like he didn't have all yeah. this like random extraneous bullshit. Everything he said was about defense. And yep. we've been talking about that, that, that this whole entire <laughs> season, you know what I mean? And like, pretty much you don't read the mainstream Laker media coverage. Nobody's talking about Clarkson's defense. We were talking about it the whole season. And yeah. clearly, you know, the front office, he Clarkson walked into this meeting and the front office basically grilled him on his defense for like the entire 30 minutes. That's what it sounded like. Yeah. Randall came out and he was like off. And it's so funny, dude. It's like, again, all stuff we've been talking about, he said, my on ball defense is pretty good because I got locked in, which we've all said, yeah. like he's been able to even keep up with guards, but he said my off ball defense is horrible, which we've all said, nice. you know what I mean? And he said mm-hmm. like, and on offense, I need to work on my right hand and my jump shot. All stuff that we've yep. said all season, like, and it's, so it's nice to see that, but then like Clarkson also made some comment about how like him and D'Angelo and Randall, none of them are leaving SoCal for the entire summer. They're all going to be nice. here and they all plan on working together. Um, yeah. So that's going to be like, those guys working together is going to be like invaluable. I mean, D'Angelo wasn't here last year. Randall was still rehabbing. Um, and Clarkson, you know, he was like, oh, I don't know. He was off doing his own thing because he was like the yeah. only one who played last year. Um, yeah. But those guys working together and like, you know, fine tuning each other, like helping each other out, fine tuning, like developing that chemistry and just continuing to grow and grow and like work really hard. Like, I mean, Randall said, I'm really not going to take a break. I'm just going to like start working right away. Yeah. And that's the kind of stuff you want to hear. Like these guys are young. It's good that they're hungry. If they front load this development process, it's going to help them like so much for the rest of their careers. Yeah. You know, what's crazy to me is that I feel like, even maybe even lead, leading up to the last game, these guys, you could feel it. They were as checked out as we were. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, everything flipped off one game, off one incredible throwback performance. And it's crazy to say, and maybe silly to say, that you know one game could absolve the sins of the entire season. But it kind of feels it, that it way. It honestly you know did I mean? kind of. I know, I know exactly <laughs> what you're saying. And that's what I'm saying, that we haven't had a season close with an optimistic close at the end, like what, in four or five, I don't even know how many years. Like, yeah. It's it's uh, just like last year, the season ended, we all felt like crap. Like the year before that, the season <laughs> ended, we all felt like crap. Even though we knew we had like a good chance to get like a high lotto pick and there was a reason to be optimistic about that. It, I mean, I don't want to say like, I don't even care if we get the pick because I still yeah. do, but like, yeah. It's like, it's, it doesn't feel like last year, if we didn't get the pick, I would have felt devastated. You know what I mean? Yeah. This year, if we don't get the pick, I'm going to be really annoyed. But like, it's, it's not like, because of how optimistic everything else ended up, it wouldn't necessarily feel like it was the end of the world, you know? Yeah, for sure. 
So yeah, I mean, it was it was an incredible night, obviously, and I kind of like what Kobe said at the end. It was actually surprising to hear where he was like, it wasn't so much about the championships and whatever. I don't know how much he meant of this he meant, but he was like, it wasn't so much about the championships and whatnot, but it was more, I value the most all of the down years that we had and just having to trudge through that to eventually get back to the top. Yeah. So, I mean, that was really cool to hear him say, just to be able to have the perspective to, you know, just trust the process and just like (laughs) and you know just have the perspective to know that what you're grinding at is eventually gonna lead to something and even if it doesn't it leads to a game like last night where he gets 60 points after three years of just trying to rehabilitate his body and just see if he was still a basketball player you know and all it i feel like that one game made it all worth it for him you know it just validated so much for him and to end the it was a legitimately a very, very good game by him. You know, his true shooting percentage was like 54%. Um, the one shot that didn't work for him was his three point shot. Cause he jacked up like 21 of them. Did, yeah. And if, if he had just taken the good two point shots he had taken, he probably would have shot 50%. You know? I mean, yeah. Because I mean, even if you were, if you subtract all of his threes from the game, like he shot 16 for 29, which is over 50%. Yeah, that's that's crazy, right? And he did it in a he scored in a myriad of ways like we haven't seen before. The only thing that was missing was his insane athleticism. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, he was driving, beating people off drives, showing his footwork, doing uh, pump fakes and hitting reverse layups. And then he was splitting a lot of double teams and getting wide open Jays on his own. You know, so they it's not like they weren't doubling him. He just it's just whenever that they try to double him, he split it immediately. And he looked very spry and very quick. And um, Gordon Hayward was guarding him a couple of times and he was able to beat Gordon Hayward to the paint and score inside, score in the mid range like we've always seen him do. And then in the fourth quarter, score from three. So it was overall just an objectively very impressive performance. And the best part about it is I feel like even the staunchest, staunchest Kobe haters gave it up to Kobe last night. Like they just had to show their respect. And I think even they were in awe and they, everybody just kind of got the feels all at once. Uh, just to see everything this guy has meant to the city, the sport. Um, it was just all hap- manifest in his game last night in the way he played and it, the eventual result where we actually won the game. So right. um, overall, very, very epic. And uh, do you have anything, last thoughts to, to bring up? Uh, nothing really. I mean, I, I, all I, the only thing, again, is I'm going to point out, like, we should feel fortunate that although things seem grim at some time, at some times, or, or a lot of times this season, um, our front office, I think, is clearly we've got some smart people in there. Although all the hate Jim has gotten over, over the years, I have faith still. Maybe not in free agent pitches, but I still have faith in <laughs> in Jim and Mitch, and I still have faith in now that Kobe is like not a player and he's taking a step away. Like Kobe's a really smart guy too. You know what I mean? And yeah. These guys, like, as much as we want to say, like, oh, how can people be so blind, blah, 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 this and that, I think a lot of teams have issues with that. I don't think we're going to have an issue with that. Not once throughout the entire season did Mitch or Jim or Kobe especially, like, ever, like, publicly defend Byron Scott, like, like vehemently defend Byron Scott. Like, yeah, Mitch pretty much was like, don't talk to me about it. Jim didn't make any comments. Kobe, the entire season, could have said so many things to protect Byron, said nothing. Okay, so for all this stuff that we're going to hear in the next few weeks about, oh, the Lakers are considering keeping Byron, and have faith that our front office is fairly intelligent, and and don't, and I think there's a good reason to be optimistic about the future. 
Yeah, for sure. Uh, my suggestion would be for free agent pitches, why don't they just sit someone in a room and replay this entire game I from know. pre-game, pre-game ritual to post-game Kobe stand-up show where he was, I thought it was hilarious as he just had the mic and he just kept like He was like pacing, pacing yeah, forth. it was like a stand-up <laughs> I was like, show. I was like, what the hell is going on? Uh, just one more thing I wanted to point out. At the end of the game, you know, when um, Clarkson had that last dunk? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but he kind of had a rookie moment where he took the ball and he just chucked it into the stands like it was a Rucker Park. And I was like, dude, you, that's a that's a special ball, dude. You're not you should hold on to that and give it to Kobe so he can like keep it at his house. And Clarkson just kind of lost his mind. He's he like, it. here we go. And then you can see it's so funny if you watch it back. You can see Ryan Kelly like pointing at the ball and like chasing it to like try to make sure that they save it. Seriously, um, like who has that ball now? It's like freaking it's hilarious. So funny, dude. But anyway, so I want to say one more thing quickly about free yeah. agency. Um, yeah, go. I okay. So for the longest time, the Lakers' free agent pitch has always been this whole Showtime thing, right? The reality is, Showtime works when you have Kobe and you have Shaq, right? Because those guys were young when it was Showtime. I think, and again, this gets back to the Shaq thing, which is, I guess, a little bit of an unorthodox suggestion. Now that Kobe's retired, all of the current free agents and the people who are in that age range to be free agents now were all young. You know, the same age Kobe was when Showtime was going on, those guys were that age when Kobe and Shaq were winning. You know what I mean? So, like, I think there's definitely some value in, like, you know, not completely like openly and blatantly cutting ties with magic, James Worthy, Byron, Kareem, etc. But like, do we need to have James Worthy and magic on every pitch? Maybe not necessarily. How about like, let's have Kobe, let's bring in like a wild card. Like, I don't know, dude, maybe Shaq and then just have these guys and then show these guys like, Hey, remember these two? Like they teamed up and they did awesome stuff when you were like a teenager, Kevin Durant. Do you remember? And like, Shaq was in your shoes, like around your same age. And like, look what happened to him. And like, this is his opinion on like, on how things went for him and like all this and that. And I think that 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 is like a really interesting pitch angle. And I'm not sure if they're considering that because they're so attached to the Showtime era. But like the reality is, I mean, I don't even think Kevin Durant was not even born like when it was Showtime, right? He's only, what is he like 28 or something? Yeah, 27, 28. So you know, he was like a baby in the, like the late 80s. Um, yeah. He was not watching basketball. By the time he became a conscious human being, Showtime was over. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's like, shift the perspective a little bit. Like by the time Kevin Durant was probably starting to get into basketball, Kobe emerged on the scene as like the new young hotshot kid. Yeah, I mean, he's, I mean? He's, he's our age, so he watched the exactly. era and stuff like that. So, so. so I think that that's like an interesting thing that the Lakers should... Again, you don't want to completely cut off all ties with like that Showtime crew because they're they're all great and it was like an important part of Laker history. But that is not going to resonate with this current group of young free agents. Those guys are more interested, in my opinion, in Kobe um, and even possibly a guy like Shaq, who was not like we we said he was not, he was not on the team, then he was on the team, then he was off the team, and. He has like all these interesting perspectives that he could potentially offer. For sure. 
So yeah, I mean, you bring up a great point, and I'm effectively effectively going to bump up Kevin Durant's percentages of being a Laker from 1.26% to a good 3.24. So there you go. I think everybody's leaving last night on a positive note, including the front office, and who knows, maybe they're more amped and more motivated to come up with some amazing pitches now, you know, after that game, and I wouldn't be surprised. Um, I guess to close this out, to leave us feeling all fluffy and poetic and whatnot... How about that last scene of Kobe hugging all the young guys? Like, I think he, he purposefully, like, pulled in Randall, Clarkson, and Russell. And I saw I saw a picture where it kind of looked like Roy Hibbert was trying to join in, but they wouldn't <laughs> let him in. <laughs> but, I mean, that's that's your Lakers legacy right there. You know, Kobe legitimately – Kobe knows what he's doing, right? But he yeah. that was, like, an awesome moment where he just legitimately pulled in those guys for a very um, – specific reason and purpose because those guys are supposed to be the future you know exactly um, and that was just a great image to have embedded in our minds and i think there was one play in particular that kind of encapsulated that image as well clarkson wasn't part of it but i think you know what i'm talking about the kobe got a steal whipped it behind yeah. his back to d'angelo between and the d'angelo, legs yeah d'angelo did like a between the legs kind of like lazy 360 to randall for a dunk and i was just like what the heck like these guys have not had this much fun since for d'angelo since the all-star break you know what i mean since the all-star game and um it was just great to see the chemistry just see all the love for each other fighting for each other cheering each other on something we haven't seen all season so we're still trying to get off that high and you know it's just such a poetic way for kobe's career to end and to close this podcast you know i find it very like i said poetic that kobe started his you know Kobe, as a rookie, had those three or four air balls against yeah. Utah in the playoffs. And he's going to end um, his career against Utah shooting three or four air balls as well, but on his way to 60 points. Right. <laughs> so, I mean, just an incredible career by Kobe Bryant. And there's so much minutia we can get into. But I think you guys have all been soaking it up as well on Twitter. And we'll just kind of leave it at that and thank Kobe for giving us literally one last great show that we'll never forget, yep. you know so improbable but so yeah everybody thanks for listening again and uh we will catch you in the coming weeks to talk about more byron we'll get get sucked back into this uh lakers crap that's gonna be sadly devoid of kobe now but we're just thankful and glad we were able to see one last show so thanks for listening again catch us on twitter at lakers legacy pod follow us on itunes if not don't follow us but rate and review us on itunes the more you rate and review that's how many superstar free agents we're going to get. Yeah, we're going to get them all after this. <laughs> all right. So, yeah, on that note, we are going to fade to Black Mamba. Tommy, I'll catch you later. Bye. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.